Happy Mother's Day, and good morning, everyone. Everybody smile real big. Yeah. If you have a mother next to you, reach over and pat her on the back because she deserves it. Yeah. Amen. Oh. Grateful to be able to speak again here at Bethesda. Uh, grateful for f such a great Amen. congregation and great church full of great people. Uh, a lot of people are away today with their uh, mothers, celebrating Mother's Day, which they should. And we're just glad that you showed up and uh, come out this morning uh, to worship God with us. And grateful to have you here in unison. If you have your Bibles, turn to Daniel chapter 3. We are in the sermon series entitled Expense. It's the cost of a life worth living. Uh, Pastor Dusty has done an awesome job uh, leading us for the past couple weeks uh, and preaching uh, this sermon series so far. And grateful to have him on board at Bethesda with us and his family. Uh, pray for... Uh, his sister-in-law that just had a baby, so Bethesda grew by one person this uh, past week, and how awesome is that? Uh, uncle Dusty is another uncle once again. So Daniel chapter 3, talking about expense, a life, the cost of a life worth living. It says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits and width was 6 cubits. He sat upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to gather together all the stirrups, the administrators, the governors, counselors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Don't it sound like, kind of like our society? A lot of elected officials, uh, all kinds of terms and... Uh, titles that uh, we come up with as far as administrating government and thank God for the government we live under a freedom amen they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar set up then a then a herald cried aloud to you it is commanded O peoples nations and languages that the time that you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony, with all kinds of music, you shall fall down and worship the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar set up. And who has, whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So at that time, when all the people had heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, symphony, and all kinds of music, the people of all nations... People of all nations and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Leslie and I went just a few weeks ago to the Lewis County Band and uh, Jazz Band's uh, thing at the uh, high school auditorium and heard all this music and all these different people playing all these different instruments and the stage and platform was full of uh, people uh, giving their gifts and using them, and uh, when I was in school, I never went to anything. I never attended any uh, band or football games or basketball games or nothing, but uh, I did go one time because we had made it to regionals or something, and I went to Moorhead to uh, a basketball game over there that we lost in the first round, but uh, that was about the extent. But it was such an uh, enjoyment to go and, and see uh, all these kids playing and all the effort that they'd put in and music is an awesome thing. 
And the music here at Bethesda is awesome. Amen. The praise and worship that uh, Leslie and Greg and Donna and, and uh, Dusty or San Coach Sandy, whatever you want to call him, uh, leads each week is is awesome. Uh, Lathan recruited Coach Sandy to be his uh, assistant coach on the uh, Little League with the T-Ballers. Suckered him right into that. Verse 8, therefore, at the time the certain child ends came forward and accused the Jews... They spoke to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image. And whosoever does not fall down and worship, he shall be cast in the midst of the burning uh, fiery furnace. Imagine writing all this down with a piece of stone or... It wasn't like they had copy and paste in Word, anybody that deals with a uh, computer, and writing all these words out time and time again. It's kind of, it seems repetitive that we're going through the same things, but uh, apparently there was something to be seen here. But I find it amazing in this portion of this text that uh, there's people that accuse Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego of not bowing down, and when they do that, um, and they accused them, that they do this just like in our society, in our culture, that people accuse us of things. And the weird part to me is in looking at this, how did they know that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't bowing down if they were supposed to be bowing down themselves with their face to the ground, worshiping this image? How did they know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wasn't? So apparently they was looking around. Amen. It's kind of like the end of the service here at Bethesda. We'll say, everyone bow your head, close your eyes, no looking around. And we ask for people that need prayer or something. And you'll look up and you'll see people looking around. Yeah. Kind of the same way, right? Yeah. In society, there's a lot of people who will try to cast blame on you for something that they're doing themselves. Amen. They'll try to point out your faults when actually they're living through the same situation. And they're dealing with the same issues. But, and just like all the old timers always said, you know, for every finger that you point, there's three more pointing back at you. Amen? We need to work on our own lives and quit worrying about others because God is going to deal with us on an individual basis. It's going to be one-on-one. -on -one. Verse 11, And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not paid due regard to you, they do not serve your, your God or worship the gold image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in a rage of fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now I want you to see here that in this story up to this point that the king had set up this imagery. He had made this golden uh, uh, piece and he had put it out in public and he was going to call it a god. And in our society, in our culture today, there's all kinds of issues and all kinds of things going around about different uh, statues and things in our society. Amen? I'll see Christians online get in a, a, a rage, a fit of rage about a certain type of statue being tore down or one being put up. And, and we get so tore up about statues when really we're only supposed to worship God. Amen? Amen. Amen? And I'm not saying which side of the fence I'm on. I'm just saying that we shouldn't worship any image. We should just worship God. Amen. It's pretty plain and simple to me. 
So this is something they was dealing with, and this has been at least 3,000 years ago, and as they're dealing with it, here we are still dealing with it today. And the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun. Do you realize that? That what we're dealing with, other people in previous generations have dealt with. There's nothing new. But we should not worship idols. For one, it's in the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt have no idols before me, right? Pretty simple. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in a rage of fury. Everybody say, that's, that's not me. I've never done that. Yeah, yeah that's, I've, never, I've never been mad and flew off the handle, nothing like that. I'm, I'm so calm, cool, and collected. Right, Ryan, I'm, I'm just able to control my, you know, the heat of anger in the moment. I'm able to control that. No big deal. I never, Ryan's sitting there. Does he ever get mad, Elizabeth? Does he ever have fits of fury and rage? And, and Yeah. Yeah. Nobody else in the room either. I'm picking on Ryan. You're all like, man, I'm glad he said him. <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar dealt with this. It kind of sounds like me, amen. I, I'll tell you right now, I, I have uh, this to happen to me from time. It feels like the blood is boiling up in my neck and it goes into my face. And I know the look on my face that people has to realize that, man, he's mad. And I even try to control it. You ever done that? Try to control it and you know that you're mad and it's like, I got to get this under control. And you try to get, Dennis, no, it ain't never happened to Dennis either. And you just try to calm yourself down and they're standing there looking at you like, man, he's mad. It's hard. Leslie's face tells the story. She, uh, she can't hide it at all. Yeah, she's mean anyway, is she, Dennis? <laughs> Because you did, and it was wonderful. She's like, oh, what a blessing. What a blessing. So Nebuchadnezzar, in this rage of fury, uh, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, It is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at this time to hear this... Now, if you are ready at this time to hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery, and symphony with all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. Good. But if you do not worship, you will be cast immediately in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. And, and who is it, the God that will deliver you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. Kind of sounds like pleading the Fifth Amendment, right? Ain't you glad you live in a nation where to have a Fifth Amendment that whatever a cop may arrest you or put you in handcuffs and they say you have the right to remain silent? How many knows that's a good right? Yeah. How many knows that's a good option? Amen. Best thing you can do if you're in trouble is shut up. That's it. Amen. Amen? Because you're going to incriminate yourself. Yeah. Just be quiet a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, man, you just need to shut up. <laughs> Yeah, quit talking about it. Are you in the midst of a fire or you got some stuff going on? Just shut up. It'd be a lot easier. Life would be a lot easier if people would shut up. Amen? Just shut up. So that's what they said. We're not, we're not going to talk about this. Why, why, I, we're just going to plead the fifth. They didn't have the fifth amendment in Babylon, but they used it anyway. But let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. We're going we're to take our ground. Verse 19, then Nebuchadnezzar it was full of fury, and the expression was on his face changed toward Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they 
heat of the furnace be turned up seven times more than it is usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. You see, in Scripture here, it's telling us that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who was, one of them was Daniel, was wearing a turban. And you see today that in our culture, because we're cult culturalized to believe what we want to believe and act how we want to act, and everybody's got to be like me, but here we are in Scripture, we, we uh, really set uh, Daniel of high esteem. He's one of the major prophets in the Old Testament, and here he's wearing a turban. So every time you tear somebody down for wearing a turban, think about that in Scripture and in the Old Testament, uh, Jews wore turbans. We need to be careful Amen. of what we believe. And we need to be careful of our condemnation of others. Amen? Amen. Be careful. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent, the fiery furnace exceedingly hot and flame of fire killed the men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And those three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished, and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to the counselors, Did we not cast three men in the midst of this fire? And they answered and said to him, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loosed walking in the midst of fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire. And the straps administrators, satraps administrators and governors, and the king counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose bodies had fire had no power. Their hair of their head was not singed, nor was their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, to the, spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants, who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be pulled in pieces, and their houses will be made an ash heap, because there is no other god who can deliver like this. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for Daniel, for all that he faced, and for Lord, for the life that he lived, the spence that was made for the cost of a life worth living. God, we pray today that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our, our, our bodies to be able to understand and apply this word to our life. Give us principles to live by, that we could be like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, amen. Dusty has done an awesome job the last couple of weeks preaching about the expense and looking through Daniel, uh, the Old prophet, Old Testament prophet, and, and Dusty really likes Daniel. I've, he's done all, uh, several uh, sermon series in the youth group 
on the life of Daniel. And it's somebody that he really looks up to. And I, I appreciate Dusty's willingness to step up and step up to the plate to minister to the body and declare some truths. And he's told us in week one about discipline, how that Daniel was taken captive and how that he had discipline even in the midst of becoming a prisoner of war that he still lived the life that he was supposed to live even when he was in chains being drugged across the nation after nation to go to another total different empire that he was there and he, was, he would learn this discipline. I believe that he learned it from his mom. Amen? The men should have said amen. I'd give you, I was giving you, I, I was, that was like a slow pitch softball. That was one that went out there and you could have swung and you would have made a happy wife and had a happy life. But now look at you sitting there. The pastor's called you out. Amen. Let me say it this way. I believe Daniel had a disciplined life because of his mom. There's a few more. Yep. Daniel had a disciplined life because of his mom. Nowhere in scripture do we hear even the name of Daniel's mother. But I know this, that in, if you go and study the Jewish cost, custom, that the mother kept the children up to about the age of five, and they would, they would put these principles into these kids. And after they turned five, then they would turn them over. The girls would go on and live with their mom and do the stuff in the house, and the young men would go out and live with their dad and do the occupation of the father. That's how Jesus became a carpenter. Mothers play an important role in discipline. Week two, Dusty preached about the word boldness and how that Daniel had to have boldness to uh, do the things that he did and how that he's, uh, he was a, a man of character that went and uh, boldly stood for what he believed in. But today I want to talk to you about a term for week three that's in chapter three. And this is a term that I believe because it's something that we need to hear about. And I believe it's a good week to hear about it from Mother's Day. The term principled. Principled. The term principled means this, according to the dictionary. Acting in accordance with morality and showing recognition of right and wrong. So if you're a principled person... You're a person that knows right from wrong. And I believe it's important for parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and the church and the Sunday school teachers and everybody to teach right from wrong. Amen? Our kids need to know right from wrong. If they're going to be a principled person, that's what they are, a person that knows right from wrong. So as we see here in this text that Daniel and, and, his, and his friends, they, they understood right from wrong. They knew what was right and they knew what was wrong. Why? Because the Bible was something they lived by as a Jewish person, that they lived according to the Old Testament, Torah, the first five books of the Bible. They knew the law of Moses. They knew the Ten Commandments that Moses had brought down off the mountain. And whenever they looked at this and they're living in the experience of this life, and all of a sudden this new king that they're under this kingdom says, we're going to worship this golden image and they're like, well, I've seen this play out before. Why? Because I've read it in the Bible, right? That Aaron was down in the valley, and Moses goes up on the hill, and he comes down, and he looks. And Aaron, they had built a golden calf, didn't they? So whenever we're living in something in our life, we need to look at something in Scripture because there's a story in this book somewhere that will apply to what you're going through. 
And Moses was so mad in a fit of anger, he broke the first set of Ten Commandments. See, we all look at him like he's some godly man, but guess what? His anger and his fury, he was mad at the people of God so much, he broke the first set of Ten Commandments. How would you like to do that? Go up on a mountain, pray for 40 days? God gives you this uh, set of, of tablets and you're bringing them back down? I would treat them with care, wouldn't you? And you get back down there, but everybody else is acting like idiots. Everybody say, I, I, I resemble that remark. It's, I live in a land of idiots. Amen? <laughs> a host of idiots. So he gets back down there and gets mad and he breaks them in his anger. How many of us break the Ten Commandments in our anger? Amen? Honor thy father and thy mother. Whoa, now. Back up. On Mother's Day, don't be preaching about that. Huh? That's one of the Ten Commandments. Give honor to them. So as we see this, this principled life, Daniel's here, but as he's living through this experience of this moment, he's thinking about black and white. How many likes black and white? There's different types of people. I kind of like black and white. But there's some people out there in the world, they kind of like the gray areas. Anybody ever heard of a gray area? Amen? There's gray areas. There's some people say, well, that's, that's a gray area. That means I get to do whatever I want, right? I believe God's smarter than that, don't you? God's not going to leave you a bunch of gray area. Some people look through Scripture and they'll say, well, that's a gray area. I think you need to look a little deeper. Amen? Because <laughs> I don't believe God's going to allow you to face or deal with anything in life that hasn't been dealt with before. And I believe He ain't going to give you a Scripture. He's, he's not going to be a God that won't give you a Scripture and then will hold you accountable for it. If He makes it a law, it's a law. It's black and white. It's, it's a principle to live by, right? So if we're going to live this principled life, we've got to live according to this book in our lap. Or maybe you don't have the book today. Maybe you've got an app on your phone. It's a different day and time, right? But we are to live by the Bible, folks. It is the end all and the end of discussion. And whenever we look at it and it says in the Ten Commandments that thou shalt not kill, what does that mean? Can you say, well, that's a gray area. You know, I've got this gray area of killing and then there's the black and white of killing. No, thou shalt not kill. It's as simple as that. Amen. Well, maybe nobody in here has ever wanted to kill anybody. Maybe you're just the most holy bunch that's ever lived and walked the face of the earth, and they ought to just build a big boat and put you all on it because you're the holy bunch, right? Yeah. If, we, if we've all wanted, the Bible says if you've thought about killing them in your mind, you've already committed them. Jesus said that's the way it is. You know, if you thought about committing adultery, if you already committed it in your heart, then it's bad enough. Same way with killing Anybody in here ever thought about killing somebody? I, I'll raise my hand. I, I, I don't want to get struck down here. I, I've thought about it. I got bullied on the bus. I had somebody on the bus that was a 12th grader when I was a 7th grader, and they would beat me. And I would lay at home dreaming about shooting them. Literally, I mean literally, I would dream about going and shooting them on the bus. I, but I knew better. Right? I knew right from wrong. But that wasn't, didn't mean I didn't dream about it. Because I knew where Dad's little gun was. I knew where the bullets was. I knew how to shoot that gun. I could have killed that person. But I didn't. Why? Because I knew right from wrong. You know why? Because a little lady named Eloise Cooper would take us in the back room at Hilltop Tabernacle, a bunch of kids, and she would tell us right from wrong. Thou shalt not kill. I might have wanted to, and I might have wanted a gray area. 
But it was black and white. Amen? So a principled life will cause you to act or react to situations in your life according to Scripture where the gray area will let you make your own decision. And you can make your mind up because in the world we live in, the culture we live in, they say if it feels good, do it, don't they? Amen. Feels good, do it. To each one be it his own. No. We're all going to be accountable to this. The Bible says we're going to give account to every idle word that we speak. Not just our actions. The Bible says that God knows the thoughts and intents of the heart. He knows who we are, folks, and you can't hide that from God. We're going to stand before him, and we're going to have to give account of what we're going to do with that. And I want to be standing before God someday, trying to get into heaven, amen, with a principled life that I have tried to live my best ability to live this book out. Am I saying I'm perfect? Absolutely not. But do I live in an account in a situation from day to day where I have to make decisions? Am I going to live with what God says, or am I going to do what I want to do? Yes, every day of my life. But a principled life will cause you to live according to this book. Daniel did that. I love it when we see a principled character in the Bible and it being something we can deal with. So we can all have idols. Just recently in Ashland, they announced that they're going to have this big uh, world-renowned artist, and he's making these big uh, Greek goddess statues, and they're going to bring them, and they're going to float them into Ashland, and they're going to stand them up down on the pier, and they're going to have this big uh, 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 event where that they're going to just all just uh, be grateful that this new goddesses are coming, and they're coming to Ashland, and they're going to symbolize this and symbolize that. And, and, and whenever they announced this, there was one of the black preachers in Ashland. He come to the city meeting, and he stood up on the floor because each person as an individual right can get five minutes of time at the podium. They got a little light. You actually got five minutes. And he stood up and he said, this is going to bring hell to our city and we will pay if we do these ungodly things. He was living a principled life. And I even heard a Christian say to me, who does he think he is to declare what's right and what's wrong? A Christian told me that. I'm like, really? He's saying what the Bible says. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make a false image or an image. Amen. It's as simple as that. I don't want any other images in my life, and it's easy to do. Amen? Anything can become an image to you. You can make an image out of your job if it takes precedence over God. We have to be disciplined. We have to have boldness, and we have to be principled. Amen. My favorite verse in this scripture now I've only got five minutes left to preach the rest of my sermon. This, this, I tell you what, this preaching business is hard. First time I stood up to preach, I had, I had a whole page front and back, Greg, and it, I still got it. I'll, I'll show it to you. I've got a front and back page of text and scriptures, and I was going to preach forever, I felt like. Five minutes later, I sat down with nothing else to say. Here I am 25 minutes in, and I ain't even got through the intro. That's what 20 years of it will do for you, I guess. You're just sorry. I love you. Happy Mother's Day. Verse 26 is what I love about this scripture and this story. And we've heard this story from childhood. If you grew up in church, your Sunday school teachers have surely told you about Daniel in the fiery furnace. 
But verse 26 says that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. They stepped out of the fire. And I'm just wondering in this room today if there's some people in this room that feels like they've went through the fire. And maybe it's symbolic. Symbolic. It's a, it's a spiritual fire. It's, it's not the fire of physical fire that you've been thrown into a furnace, but you've, you've went through all kinds of stuff in your life, and you're going through a situation right now, and it feels like you've been tested by the fire. I want to tell you that Malachi chapter 3 says, But who can endure this day of coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire and a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will bring offerings in the righteousness of the Lord. Psalm 66, verse 10 through 12. For you, O God, have tested us, and you have tried us as silver as tried. You brought us into the net. You laid a crushing burden on our backs, and you let man, men ride over our heads. We went through fire and through the water, yet you have brought us out to a place of abundance. Isaiah verse, chapter 1, verse 25, I will turn my hand against you and will melt away your dross as liar removed from the alloy. God is a refiner's fire. In the situations that you are facing right now, you are being refined as this pure gold that Scripture talks about. I love 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, 13. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. Amen. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you're going through hell on earth. Because God is refining. He is purifying. And I don't know about you, but there are some people in this room I know for a fact, and I know some situations in your life, and it feels like literal hell is coming down upon you. And it feels like you are on fire, and you're being tested and tried the way it teaches here in Scripture. I'm here to tell you the way to get through that is to live a principled life. It's back to the basics. So whenever Sammy is coaching a baseball team and he's trying to get those teenage boys in their upper years, classman years of high school to, to go win a, a baseball game, what's he got to do? It's back to the basics, right? You got to swing a bat. You got to hit a ball. You got to catch a ball. You got to ground the ball. You got to throw the ball. You got to get people out. It's back to the basics, right? And sure, you can get better, but it's the basics that will cause you to win. And it's that way in life. Whenever life seems like it's compounded and there's so much going on and, and so much noise and so much things happening that you can't even make a reason, I want you to do this. Go back to the basics. Go back to the basics of Scripture and say, I'm going to live a life worth living for God. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be disciplined. And I'm going to have a principled life that I know right from wrong. And I'm going to choose right over wrong every time. Amen. If you want to come out of the fire doing what you're supposed to be doing, live a principled life. Can you imagine these three Hebrew boys being thrown into this fire seven times hotter than normal? And I don't know about anybody in here. Have you ever been around a furnace, a big furnace? I've worked in steel mills where they, it's hot. I mean, like burn your skin hot even being within feet of these things, these big blast furnaces. And I can't imagine these three Hebrew boys being thrown into one of those furnaces. And what must have went through their head at the moment of being tossed 
I've lived a principled life. I've done what I've been, been supposed to do. I tried to, I tried to stand up for God, and here I am. And now I'm getting thrown into here. And the moment, can you imagine that instant when they landed inside the fire, and they probably had wood and all these different things in there burning to cause it to be seven times hotter. And here they land in the middle of that. Can you imagine just thinking, well, I'm just going to stand up. And they stood up, and they began to look over, and there's your, there's your two other buddies. Hey, how you doing, buddy? How's it going on over here? And you look around, there's my other buddy. How are you doing? You're still making it too. You've lived a principal life too. And then all of a sudden you look over and there's another one. They're like, uh-oh. They threw three of us in here. Now there's four of us walking around. And Nebuchadnezzar from the outside looks, and he said, and Greg said this this morning at the end of Bethesda down at Bansburg, and he said, can you imagine the king saying he looks like the son of God? You talk about a revelation. He saw the Son of God in that fire with those three Hebrew boys, teenagers. Amen. Jesus said, I will go with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll go with you even to the end of the age. Isn't Scripture black and white and true? Absolutely it is. So whatever you're facing right now, I'm telling you this, Jesus is walking right beside of you. No matter how bad it looks, no matter how bad it's been, no matter how many is against you, because all the kingdom was rejoicing that these three Hebrews got thrown this fire, and here they are walking around in there high-fiving with Jesus. Come on, somebody. Why don't you just look over to your neighbor and say, well, I'm going through the fire, but it's all right because Jesus is walking with me, amen? i got some things going on, and you may be looking, and everybody else may be looking saying, well, I know what's going to happen to them, and I know how outcome of this, but guess what? If God be for me, who can be against me? Is there a church in this place today? A principled life will cause you to have victory in the middle of the fire. And can you imagine that king looking in there saying, well, what's going on in there? I'd just look at him and wave, wouldn't you? The one that just threw me in the fire, the one that said that I wasn't going to make it, the one that said I've got all power over you, I'd just wave, hey, how are you doing, buddy? How's it going out there? Man, it's hot in here, but I feel pretty good. Amen? Are you in the fire? If you are, you're being purified. And God's doing it to receive glory. Because the case that you're going through is just another case that has been dealt with before. And Jesus is helping you get through it. And when they come out of that fire, the king finally says, man, they ain't going to burn up. There's the fourth one in there with them. He says, come on out of there. And can you imagine? He says, they stepped out of that fire. Whew, my God, can you imagine? Whew. Being in that fire and being in the trust troubles of life and seem like it's going to fail and seem like this is the end and I'm not going to be able to make it and they're all going to laugh and they'll say, why did he stand up and why was he principled and why was he trying to be bold and why did he try to be disciplined? Why? Because God is with us, church, and as we step out, what are we going to see? Whenever we step out of that fire and they come walking out of there and they got to the outside and Nebuchadnezzar looked at them and said, there's something different about you. There's something different about the God you serve and the God you serve, I'm going to serve him now. Scripture says, when a, man's, when a man's ways are right before the Lord, he'll cause even his enemies to be at peace with him. Come on, somebody. Has anybody got an enemy in this house? Maybe I'm the only one who's got somebody that's trying to speak evil of me and do bad things to me. Guess what? If I ways please the Lord, he'll cause even my enemies, Dennis, to be at peace with me. How many like to have some peace? Amen. Live a principled life and you'll see it. 
I'm not saying fire ain't coming. You might get thrown in the fire. Guess what? It's going to be okay. Amen. Sorry for screaming. It's been a few weeks. Ladies, prepare your kids for the fires of life. There's all kinds of people in Scripture that talks about that uh, people was prepared for life. Sarah prepared Isaac for life. She prepared him to be principled. And Isaac went on to do great things for God. He passed it on to the next generation, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, right? Then we know Joseph and all the rest of the story of Scripture. Your principled life that you pour into your kids and your grandkids will go on for generations and generations and generations. Mary prepared Jesus to be principled. She poured into her son, who was the son of God. She taught him. She raised him in the admonition of the Lord. But more than that, I love it in the Old Testament that Mordecai prepared Esther. This is the same time as Daniel, the story of Daniel. Esther's going on right at the end of that. And Mordecai, her uncle, prepared her to be principled in the moment of decision of black and white. Whether she got to live by principles, try to live yourself, or let everybody else die, she stood up for everybody. We know the story of Queen Esther, right? Amen. That she had a decision to make. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to go into the king. I'm going to break a law that he could kill me for. But I'm going to try to save the Jewish people because they're my people. You never know when you live that principled life of the people that it affects around you. Yes. Mordecai prepared her for that. So what I'm saying is, fathers, you can be a good mother too. Amen? They say that a mother's love can't be broken. Well, why don't dad show love too? Mordecai did. Sometimes you got to step up. Maybe you got some nieces and nephews. Maybe their their dad's absent. Maybe maybe you got to step in. Esther didn't have parents. Mordecai stepped in. Church, we have to step in. There's thousands of kids across our state that don't have anybody. Unless people live principled lives and teach principled people. To have ability to step out of the fire, you have to be principled enough to step into the fire. What's your principles? Daniel can teach you if you'll listen and apply these things to your life. Dusty's not just telling you kind words. He's telling you things that will change the destiny of your life if you'll listen. I'm listening. I've listened last week. I wasn't even here. I was in Louisville last weekend. Had to miss for work. And I got on I got on the SoundCloud and listened to the sermon Sunday night. Because I wanted to hear. I don't want to miss any of this stuff. Too important. Right? Even if you ain't here, listen. You'll become principled. Principled, the act of knowledge according to morality, showing recognition of right and wrong. Would you stand with me? The expense of a life worth living. It was expensive here for these three Hebrew boys to decide if life was hard and life was costly. It was absolutely costly to him.
to all three of them this day. But they chose that cost and they evaluated that cost and they went ahead and lived a life that was worth living, even if it meant dying. Amen. And we don't know what our future holds. And I was thinking this morning as I was preparing more and, and looking at this and thinking about this, is what about Daniel's mom? And how that she chose to raise her son, knowing right from wrong. She had no idea that he'd end up a prisoner of war by the time he's a teenager. And for him to have his life written about in the eternal word of God because of things she taught. You don't know what your kid's future is. Teach them right now. It might be your only chance. It's expensive, the cost of a life worth living, but it's worth the expense to teach them to do godly things. But in the same time, I believe it's expensive to live the ungodly life. Amen? Yeah. Has anybody ever, ever made a bad decision? Mm -hmm. I, just one. I, I just want to raise a hand. Anybody ever make just at least yeah. one bad decision? I know there's perfect people in here. Oh, we got both hands up waving. Yeah. Amen. I've, I've made some bad decisions. Was it expensive? Yeah. That, that's expensive too. Choose today to serve God in a principled manner, and he'll be with you in that fire, I promise you. This ain't just words, and I'm not just tricking you, and I'm not playing on this. I'm telling you, God will be with you in the midst of your troubles. Won't you bow your head and close your eyes? I want to ask anybody here, If you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you never allowed him to come in and clean you from the inside out. You've been trying to clean yourself from the outside in. You've never depended on the grace of God to save you. Today is your day to make a decision. I'm going to live on the principle that Jesus is my only way to heaven. And I need him to make me clean because I can't. Is there anybody here to lift your hand and say, that's me? Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? I'm tired of trying to clean myself. I need him to clean me. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Now, there's Christians in the room that you've already prayed that sinner's prayer and you've been living a Christian life, but you know that there's times that there's instances that you've done what you wanted to do instead of what Jesus wanted you to do. And you want to live a more principled life that you know right from wrong and black and white and you're tired of the gray. You're tired of having to decide yourself what's right and wrong and you need more of God's word to apply to your heart. Scripture says that he can graft that in your heart. He can apply it there. And I want to ask us if there's any Christians in here that will say, I want to live a more principled life. I want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. I need to live a more principled life. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Everybody here, repeat this prayer after me. Everyone here. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm asking you for forgiveness of my sins 
of my faults of my failures help me to be more like you apply the blood of Jesus to my life so I can live a life of righteousness in Jesus name I pray Amen.